listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. So this morning we're going to start by looking at the text where uh, the disciple Matthew is called to follow Jesus. And I love the story of Matthew being called to follow Jesus. I love Matthew. He is the one that wrote the Gospel of Matthew and was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, performed amazing miracles. But before he was a follower of Jesus Christ, he was a tax collector. And to give you a little bit of history of Israel times, tax collectors were not popular people. They were the ones that took money from Jews for the Roman Empire who was hated, who oppressed the Jewish people, who took over their land, their territory, who dominated them. And so the Jewish people weren't pumped at all to pay taxes to, to Rome. But let alone the, uh, the tax collectors were also Jewish people who filled those roles. So they were seen as traitors. They were seen as lowest of the low. They were seen as breaking the Jewish law that uh, said that you should not, uh, when it comes to money, you should not hold anything over your fellow man. And these tax collectors would also take money to line their own pockets with it as well. They would take extra on the, on the tax so that they could be wealthy. They were very wealthy people and they were hated and despised. They were not allowed to represent, to be representatives, to give evidence in Jewish courts. They were ostracized. They were not allowed to be community leaders. And they were also seen in the same line as prostitutes, as beggars, as lepers. They were so despised. And so in Matthew 9, we see the situation where Matthew is at his tax booth, hanging out, doing his thing. And he hears that Jesus is coming by. And something in him must have stirred. I mean, he's heard about Jesus. He's heard about this rabbi who is different, who performs miracles, who it sounds like is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And as Jesus approaches him, he doesn't expect Jesus to acknowledge him at all because Jews didn't speak to tax collectors. But instead of just passing him by, Jesus stops what he is doing. He engages with Matthew. He looks him in the eye and he says, come and follow me. And from that point, Matthew, the Bible says, leaves everything that he has. He leaves his wealth, his security, his riches, his comfort. He leaves it all to follow Jesus. And the incredible part about this story is that he goes from this place of isolation, of loneliness, of being cast out by everybody to now being part of Jesus's tight crew. Now being part of the 12 disciples and the crew that went with Jesus to support the ministry, he's now part of this tight crew who he lives with 24-7. Can you imagine that? He goes from this place of independence to now living with these guys 24-7. There would have been some awkward moments. I mean, the dude that used to take their money is now living with them. I mean, there would have been like, Bag's not sleeping with Matthew tonight. He wouldn't have got the fisherman jokes. He would have been the outsider, yet Jesus brings him to the inside, to this incredible place of being connected with others. And that is God's heart for every single one of us. That we would not live in isolation, loneliness, 
relationships that are superficial, where we just do the day-to-day together, but we're not really heart-connected. Jesus wants us to live in a place where our relationships flourish, where we are truly heart-connected to people and do life with people in an amazing way. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Matthew 18 verse 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Romans 12 verse 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. God's heart is that we would live with each other in an amazing, incredible way, that we would live connected, that we would do life with one another, that we would live partnered with others. But what I find is our challenge today is that it can be so easy for us to live independent in our own comfort, our own security, our own space, and we don't truly live partnered. An amazing example is this, as I was talking to a school friend after uh, school one day after pickup, and she was telling me how she was working with a refugee family at the time, and she was saying how much this family was struggling being in Australia. And one of the things that they couldn't believe is that there were fences everywhere. Everyone's home was fenced off. When it came to every evening, everyone's blinds were drawn. Everyone had their own space, had their own security. Where where she was from, people would wander around from home to home at night, chatting with one another. There was incredible community and they struggled with this sense that there's no community here. Everyone's just boxed in their own space. And I heard that story and, you know, there's an amazing blessing with the lives that we live today, but the more we get, the more secure we get as well. The more material possessions we have, the more secure we get. And what ends up happening is that we end up living these lives that are isolated in our zone because we've got our security, we've got our boundaries. And we end up, it got me thinking, how much of the lifestyle do we live in today? How much of that actually affects how we relate to others? Because it's so easy to get boxed in our security, our comfort, how we want to do life with people. And we miss the essence of what it truly means to partner with others and to connect with others. I mean, look at it today. How many cars driving on the road, it's just one person in that vehicle. Look at today, our time to blob out isn't just to chill with a friend. It's on Netflix, watching series after series, watching other people live out relationships. Yeah, it was so easily in this day and age, we're on social media and we, we feel like we're connecting with people, but it's all about our control, what we want to project and what we want to see in others. We're in control. And it's often not God's heart for us when it comes to relationship because we live contained rather than living in the full reward of what it means to partner with others. So what I want to do today is I want to look at what it actually means to partner. And there are, I believe, so many consequences to not living partnered. 
No research shows that in the Western world today, loneliness is now the most common need for people seeking psychological counsel. One study found that in 1985, Americans claimed to have three close confidants, and by 2004, this had dropped to just one, with 25% of all Americans saying they had no one to confide in. That was 2004, let alone this year right now. I love what Mother Teresa put, the greatest disease in the Western world today is not TB or leprosy, it's been unwanted, unloved and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair and hopelessness is in love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty, it's not only a poverty of loneliness, but also spirituality. There's a hunger for love as there's a hunger for God. Amazing that Mother Teresa, the one that saw the world's greatest poverty, could come to our world and pity us because of our lack of connection. Amazing the challenge that that is to us today. So what is the reward of connecting with others, partnering with people? First thing is that it produces fruit in our lives. Connecting with people produces fruit. And I've been so stirred by God lately. He's been so speaking to me about how much fruit is being produced from the lives that we live. How much fruit are we bearing? Because we are not called just to have a great status. We're not called to have a great position, but we are called to bear fruit. See, I love, again, what it says in John 15, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And there's verses and verses of God saying to us, come on, bear fruit in your lives. And what does fruit mean? It's fruit that others can feed from our lives, that we live lives of impact. And we cannot impact unless we are connecting with others. Now, God took me on this journey of looking into what does it mean like to bear fruit? What does it mean to not bear fruit? Why do some fruit trees not end up bearing fruit? And I did a little bit of research around it. And one of the most common reasons that fruit trees do not bear fruit is there's a lack of cross-pollination that takes place. So for a tree, uh, this is what science says, fruit trees require pollination between two or more trees for fruit to set. This pollination occurs when trees begin to blossom. Pollen from the anthers needs to transfer to the stigma. This is performed by uh, birds, winds, or insects. Completed pollination fertilizes the tree and fruit grows. Otherwise, the flowers grow, but not fruit. A lot of fruit trees, though, can't just pollinate with other fruit trees that are the same as them. They need the pollen of a different variety of fruit tree for fertilization to take place. Amazing. For us to bear fruit, we need each other. And we don't need just the same people as us. We need a different variety of people. Come on, we need each other. We need to impact each other. We need to live for others. That's where the true essence of life lies. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I imagine my funeral. I don't know if anybody else does this. But sometimes I just take time to imagine what my funeral will look like. And, you know, one of my most favourite songs we're playing is Everybody Walks In, probably from The Greatest Showman. I'm so on that buzz right now. How good is, by the way, Hugh Jackman? 
He is my all-time favourite. Like to be Wolverine and then they grow to showman. Like what a, what a man. Doesn't compare to my husband, but what a man. Married to the same wife. He's a Christian, just an awesome guy. But I imagine at my funeral, what will people say? You know, obviously family will get up. They'll do their thing. Craig will be a blubbering mess all over the place. Actually, I know I will be speaking at Craig's funeral. It's the other way around. But <laughs> what am I declaring over my life? <laughs> we'll die at the same time. Others will speak at our funeral. Backtrack. Um, but what will other people say? What stories will other people say of the impact that I've had on their lives? And I think it's good for all of us to do that same kind of self-exploration. Who else would speak? Who else would tell stories at your funeral of the impact that you've had on their lives? Because that's true fruit. Come on, we leave everything else behind. True fruit is what we invest into others. You know, sometimes I find that when it comes to relationships, we so want to hang with people that are the same as us, but it doesn't grow us. What grows us is when we hang out with people who are different to us, people that maybe stir us a little bit. I remember when I moved up from Thames to Auckland to study and It was many years ago now, but moving in with flatmates and people who were messy and I couldn't stand it to start with. But it taught me that I needed to relax a little bit. And sometimes instead of doing dishes, it was more important to have fun. I needed to learn that stuff just to relax a little bit. Come on, others bring out what's better on the inside of us. And people need us. Come on, sometimes it can be a struggle to interact with certain personalities. But there is such rich reward in the development of our own character and seeing others develop when we actually take time to interact with people who aren't the same as us. I remember when we were youth pastors back at Life in New Zealand and I remember a young couple walking into the foyer and connect, I, so I went over to them, introduced myself, said hi, And man, they were hard work. Wouldn't smile, hardly gave me anything. And we just went on this journey of connecting with them, taking time with them. You know, today, he now oversees across all of life, all of our worship, all of our technical. His wife oversees all of our conferences. But it was hard work at the start. They're an amazing couple now, incredible what they're doing, but it was hard work. But sometimes we're not prepared to interact and connect with people who are different from us. Come on, we're looking for the easy option. But there is such rich reward in connecting with people who aren't the same as us. Come on, we've got to break out of our box. As Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Come on, we need people who are going to push our buttons. Come on, we we avoid people like that. But we need people that are going to stir us because it identifies something in us that is not quite right. Can I remember when 
uh, I had one, a mole cut out of my back and the doctor said to me about the scar, he said scars are more sensitive than normal skin. So where you've had the scar, you can't let it get in the sun because it will react. Where we're sensitive, where we have scars, we react. And if we allow God through other people just to push those buttons, we can allow true healing to take place. I remember it was uh, just before we moved to Australia and my dad would pick up uh, Zion, who was four years old at the time, our, our son Zion, and he would pick him up every Wednesday from kindy and then they would have the rest of the afternoon and the evening together hanging out. And, and this one particular evening, we were all home, Craig, myself, dad, and Zion was home. And, and at one point he heard himself and he yelled out to his papa, Papa! And I remember dad in that moment grabbing him and almost throwing him at Craig and saying, mate, go to your dad instead. And I remember seeing that interaction take place. And I remember saying to dad, dad, that's not necessary. You're okay to comfort him. And I remember talking to my dad and going, why did he react like that? And my dad, if you know his past, he's had a very broken past. He was a product of rape. And so he had no father at all. And just went through a lot of different things in his childhood, a very broken past. And, and so he said to me later, because of that past, because I had no dad, I'm just so passionate, so sensitive about Craig and Zahn having an incredibly strong bond. I don't want to get in the way there. But there was such sensitivity there because of what he'd been through. And we need people just to press those sensitive areas every now and then to allow God to bring the true healing that He needs. But if we keep avoiding people that push those buttons, we don't develop, we don't grow how we're truly meant to grow. Come on, we stay isolated in this, isolated in our security and our comfort rather than growing into who God has called us to be. Is this making sense? Come on, we need all types of people. The second thing and what partnering does is that it strengthens us. Partnering with people strengthen us. Come on, Pastor Paul previously has talked about how the strongest of trees aren't trees that are isolated, but they're trees that are planted next to each other where their roots interlock. So when the strongest of storms come, their root system is so connected that they aren't taken out by the fiercest of storms because there's such a connection here. Come on, we need to live partnered with people where there's such a genuine connection that when tough stuff comes our way, we have resilience. We have strength because of others around us. Come on, research shows that our connection with others is directly linked to our physical, emotional, and mental health. It lessens the impact of stress, builds greater resilience, and is directly linked to greater happiness. Not only, it's also linked to physical health. Researchers have found that those who have closer social ties but unhealthy lifestyles such as smoking, obesity, lack of exercise actually live longer than those with poor social ties but more healthy living habits. Isn't that amazing? So it means instead of going to the gym, we can just go out with a friend, have an ice cream, chat, and we're going to live longer. How awesome is that? The study did go on to say that if you do both, you live longer. But <laughs> the Bible puts it this way. 
How good and pleasant is it in Psalm 113 when God's people live together in unity? It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the bed, running on Aaron's bed, down the collar of his bone. The anointing speaks about being set apart. Jesus speaks in the Bible how others will know me because of how you love one another. It goes on, it says it's the Jew of Hermon, which was a region that didn't get much rain, so Jew was brought for necessary moisture. Hermon was known for its richness and moisture. It's like the Jew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion, giving life where there wasn't life. For there the Lord bestows His blessing, even life forevermore. Come on, there is life to be found in that genuine connection with each other. Where it's not, hey, we're just planted next to each other. We're just doing life next to each other. But our roots interlock. That there is genuine heart connection. There's vulnerability. There's a heart connection that goes beyond the superficial. Interesting, if we look at the example of fruit trees again and why they don't produce fruit, one of the other main reasons is because the tree is over-fertilized and so it spends all its energy growing the bark and the tree trunk of the tree rather than the actual fruit, the flowers turning into fruit. So growth goes to the wrong place. And how easy it can be for us to focus on looking strong, looking like we got it all together, looking secure, but we actually miss what grows true connection. And that's vulnerability. It's heart space. It's being real with others. Come on, when we're in a hard place, who have we got that we can phone and just be real with? Which people have we got to truly do life with? See, it's so true. We can have people all around us, but still feel so lonely. We can be surrounded by people even here today, but still feel so alone. And loneliness comes from the sense of I'm doing this on my own. There's nobody else with me. I, when I was younger, many, many years ago, seems like an eternity ago now, I did a lot of cross-country running. And the hardest part of the run was when you were alone. For many of us, it can feel like we're running on our own. But it's not God's intended design for our lives to be running on our own. What brings out the best in us is when we run with others when we have others with us. And this Thursday, our son Zion, he's eight years old, had his first cross-country run. And so both Craig and I went to watch him in this run. He was competing against 40 other kids. And uh, he absolutely, he had the race of his life. He ended up doing in uh, 2Ks in nine minutes as an eight-year-old, which is unbelievable. But the amazing thing is that it wasn't just his natural talent, it was the people that brought it out in him. Craig and him had done a previous run where he'd just got 12 minutes when they were running together, but he, it, people brought out the best in him. And the people that did it were his cheer squad, led by his mama, first and foremost. But there were people all along the track cheering them on. Come on, who have you got in your world that's your cheer squad? 
Who have you got in your world that's encouraging you, that's cheering you on, that's your biggest fan, that you know is that person you can lean on? They're like, go for it, I believe in you. Come on, who have you got in your world that's doing that in your life? And if you feel like there's no one, who else are you doing it to? Because if you start doing it to someone, it will come back to you. Come on, how much are we living with the sense of I'm here to encourage others? Come on, who, uh, who are you cheering on? Who would say that, hey, they're my cheer squad? Because come on, we've got to take responsibility for our relationships. Sometimes we can get in a space where it's like a pity party happens. Well, nobody really cares about me. Nobody loves me. Nobody notices me. If I don't phone somebody, then they don't phone me. If I don't set up the party, then who's going to do the party? No one invites me to the party. And that kind of thinking leads us down a path that's destructive for our lives. It's totally the enemy behind it because it means we go into this place again of isolation. Nobody loves me and we end up in the pen again. Come on, we've got to take responsibility for our relationships. Come on, it's not a bad thing to initiate relationship. It's not a bad thing to be the one that's like, okay, I'm going to set this up. That's what I love about our group leaders. They're the ones that are like, right, I'm going to set up community for others. That's what I love about them. They are getting out of their own comfort, out of themselves to say, hey, community matters. It's important. That's why groups matter so much. The other thing that Zai had that day is he had the pusher. He had his buddy that was with him the whole time and they pushed each other the entire race, literally. There was a lot of argy-bargy happening and they pushed each other. They set the pace. He had the pusher with him. Come on, do we have people in our lives that challenge us, that stir us to be better? Come on, sometimes we avoid people like that because they make us feel stink about ourselves. Come on, they make us feel like, man, I don't compare at all. So let's just back off from that relationship because they're just too good for me. Come on, we need people like that. Instead of comparing yourself with them, allow them to stir you on for more. Come on, we need people that will push us, people that will challenge us. Who have we got in our world that does that? And the last thing that Zai had is he had his coach. He was the only kid on the track that had his dad running with him. <laughs> his dad with him most of the race. Come on, buddy. You can do it. Set the pace. Don't go too fast. It's hilarious. All the videos of the race, it's like Craig screaming in the background. Set the pace, Zion. Set the pace. <laughs> he had his coach. Do we have coach? Do we have coaches in every area of our lives? Come on, are we open to being teachable? Have we opened our world to others speaking into our lives? Come on, it's funny, when we're kids, we get taught all the time. We are open for input all the time, but it's like when we grow up, hey, I've grown out of that, I've arrived. We never arrive. We always need input. Now, at the moment, I'm reading Proverbs, and it's amazing. All through Proverbs, there are only four chapters that do not have some focus towards the, the strength of opening your life to receive correction. And input. Come on, how open are we to receiving input from others where it's needed? It amazes me how many of us make decisions without input, important decisions without input from others. Come on, it's so vital 
that we are open to authority. Come on, that we're open to authority when it comes to our spiritual world. We're open to authority when it comes to our relationships. And who do we open ourselves up to? We open ourselves up to people who have got good fruit in that area of their lives. Come on, you don't take relationship advice from your friend that's had like three or four breakups and just goes from mess to mess. No, you take advice from somebody that lives in a healthy relationship themselves because there's fruit there. Come on, have we opened ourselves up to being coached? You know, the stronger we get, the more intentional we need to get with opening ourselves up, being teachable and allowing others to speak into our lives. Look at the example of Roger Federer. He still has a coach. After so many years of success, what an athlete. But he still opens himself up to correction, to receiving input. Come on, we haven't arrived. Till the day we die, we need to be better people. And we need input from others to get there. Come on, I hope this challenges us and I hope this isn't a message where we're in our seats right now thinking, you know what, that's a good point and then we walk out of here and don't do anything about it. Come on, we've got to get coaches in our lives, people that will speak in, that will invest into our world. And the third thing, if I can have keys up, please, that'd be awesome, is that relationships, the strength of being partnered is that it reveals our relationship in Him. In our God, relationships reveal so much about how connected we are to our God. That's why the Bible says, 1 John 4 verse 11, if you love me, you'll love others. That's where it starts from. If you are forgiven, in Matthew 6 verse 14, 15, 15, you will forgive others. It all starts from our connection with Him. So often our relationships reflect what God is doing in us. Come on, our lack of trust with God reflects in our lack of trust with people because our trust is secured first and foremost in Him. Our sense of trying to prove ourselves to God reflects in our sense of trying to get the approval of people because approval, it's got to be first and foremost secured in who our God is and our relationship with Him. Our sense of neediness expresses itself with people because this neediness hasn't been first and foremost met by our Heavenly Father. Come on, everything about our people relationships comes back to our relationship with Him. I know for myself, one of the things that I'm challenged with the most in the area of relationship is just being independent getting in this pen of independence where I'm good. I don't want to be a burden to people. I don't want to be needy. And so you get in this pen of isolation, but it's also the same when it comes to my relationship with God. I've got to continually work on not being too independent. Before coming before Him every day, going, God, I surrender to You again. I need You. So they all it all ties in. We're going to make sure that first and foremost, our relationship with God is flourishing and then it outworks itself into every other area. You know, the last reason why fruit trees don't produce fruit is that frosts come and cause a hardening to take place. And I just sense this morning that for some of us, 
We've been through some stuff where there's caused a hardening to take place. Maybe it's disappointment with people, abuse that's taken place, broken trust, manipulation that's happened, whatever it is. And there's caused a hardening to take place when it comes to people. And we've closed off that area of our heart. But God just wants to come and breathe His presence afresh in that area of our lives so we'd be able to trust again, that we'd be able to open up our lives with people again. You know, vineyard owners, the vineyard owners that are the most committed to their fruit, well, when a frost is meant to come, they'll send a helicopter just to hover over the vineyard, to blow, to bring breath, fresh breath into that, those fruit, those, those vines, and it doesn't allow the frost to settle. We need the breath of His presence through our lives to make sure the frost doesn't settle. People are always going to disappoint us when it comes to relationships. There is always going to be heartbreak. But if we have His presence breathing, if we open ourselves up to who He is in our lives, come on, it's going to be okay. And we're able to go to a deeper place with people because we're secured first and foremost in Him. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.